What's up, everybody? Welcome to Press for Time. I am Tyler. Benny is here lurking in the background. Um, today, we're going to talk video games, like a whole video game show, all video games. We'll probably veer off into movies and toys at some point, but um, we're going to talk the game awards for this year, the nominees that Jeff Keighley has from his little panel of journalists. We're going to talk Press for Time's official game of the year rankings, and we're going to talk the abysmal state of the video games industry with layoffs and all of the other multitude of problems that they are having this year to go alongside a banner year for actual video game releases. Stick around. Busy, busy year for games. Good, yeah, bad, and different. Chaotic. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's been a fuck of a year. Like, there's really no other way to put that. And I love I love that we run this show, that this is our show, that we're not beholden to any corporate entities. So we can just sit here and say that. Like it was a fuck of a year. Um, so we'll start there. I was gonna I was gonna kind of end there, but we'll start there and then we can, you know, we can elevate as the episode yes. goes on and on a high note get our um, wings yes yes <laughs> um so yeah man layoffs let's just dive right in yeah it's, it's been rough man just uh obviously us knowing some of the people in the industry um a little more than others but just knowing you know being in the scene being fans of the games first and knowing yeah. what goes behind the creation of these games and i hate to say it but it's it's not surprising i just it's more surprising that on the sheer scale yeah of how much it's happened like, this year it just felt like dominoes like one big company one big name company was like yeah we're doing some layoffs and everyone else was like we can do Maybe layoffs. We, do we we can do layoffs when we're doing well awesome lay them off you know what I mean? It feels like it's it's an up and down. They're like, okay, we, we've done well, so now let's lay people off until it's time to start ramping back up for production, and then we'll lay people off and then ramp back. Like, God damn, man. Do you think that this could lead into, I mean, there was talks about having a strike for, uh, you know, industry that was focused on the video game world, obviously based on all the different strikes that have happened. Kind of. Uh, so SAG, so SAG after uh, some video game performers and actors, you know, because actors part of you, that you think about like, you know, Ashmore's and Alan Wake and stuff like that. So you have you have real actor actors, plus you have some video game actors and people that are part of SAG after as well. Um, so they were talking about striking on the game side, but there is no union protection for right. the technical side of things. So that's that's been the big conversation is is unionization coming to the games industry and sure the fuck it should jesus man if this year has shown us anything between abysmal profit sharing from the top down so much of that money stops at the top and so little of it makes its way down to the people that are actually creating these experiences right it's, it's just it's criminal man it's terrible so abysmal profit sharing layoffs horrible working conditions. You know, you see all the stories break all the time. Um, Rebecca Valentine at IGN does a fantastic job chasing down these crunch stories and these stories of corporate malpractice and 
and the working hours and the days and devs going into launch working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Like that is, nobody should do that. Nobody should have to do that. That is a completely unsustainable work-life balance. Especially in an industry where, yeah, I'm sorry. No, yeah, I say to say nothing of like people are like, oh, well, they're doing it's it's a passion job. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's a job. It's a job job. You can be passionate about your job and it's still a job job. And you should not be required to devote 16 hours a day, seven days a week to anything. And that's pretty much where I was. You pretty much said it for me. You know, it's it's one of those industries that a lot of people say if you get to do what you love. You know what I mean? It's one yeah, of the you few industries. Just be grateful for the that. opportunity. So they say that being a musician too. You know, exactly. you love writing music, you do it for passion. I mean, we do this out of passion, right? It's a right. difference, but we have you have to have that fine line. You know, yeah, I don't understand the belittling of the arts, and that's what it really boils down to. Um, you know, when when steel workers strike, you know, obviously there's there's people on on the far right that are like, nobody should ever strike ever, blah, blah, blah. But the majority of the public supports that kind of thing. They're like, yes, get what you're owed. Get what's fair. When UPS gets ready to go on strike. Right. Yep. Which pay we, those guys. Which we talked about that before too. Exactly. But when artists go on strike, everyone's like, you should just be happy. Yeah. Cause people take for granted how much goes out there in the world and yeah. how important art is in the form Absolutely. of music, visuals, storytelling, writing. It doesn't matter what world of art. It's just, it's embedded in our blood in every way you, you get in a car. What do you turn on? Radio. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. have had too much to, you know, and you underappreciate things. I think after oh, a while. Yeah. I think we talked about that with media, with we digital did. media, with streaming. Same idea. Yeah. You know, too much is not. Always it becomes devalued. Thing. Yep. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. I don't know what the steps are. Obviously, I am. I am a guy podcasting behind a mic. Uh, I don't work. I mean, journalism side, but I don't work in development side. I don't know what the ins and outs of actually creating a union, what that would look like. I don't know what that would do to the industry. But my knee jerk reaction is I've seen what it does, what it did for the actors. I've seen what it did for the writers. We know what it does for directors there should be something in place to help these guys. Agreed. Uh, so I feel like it's, you know, we talk about, you know, projects coming and going, but it's such a self-sustaining machine. It's an industry that's around 50 plus years as far as yeah. it, in one way or another with games. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the games are going to come whether we like it or not, you know, whether the world likes it or not, but you're going to eventually need those people to come back. So mm -hmm. even if they don't strike, what if they just don't want to get hired? Yeah, you know man. What I mean, that's that's the, the scary scenario. Well, you and know, I see obviously... that too. You know, I see people on Twitter and stuff being like, "Hey, I'm tired of this, man. I, I I've been laid off from my 13th games Projects. industry job. I'm moving to another industry. Uh, this is what I want to do, but I can't do this. Bye." Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a scary, scary situation when you have to realize that. A majority of these people, this is this is their day job. This is their careers. Yeah, you know, they have you families. Have, they have spouses. Yeah. They have children. They have a mortgage. They have car payments. They have all the same shit that you do working at your job, at your day to day job where you live. They have all the exact same responsibilities, and their job is to make games. It's a job. It's a it's a job job. 
And I feel like that's where the big disconnect is, but I don't know. I will say, I will say, and this is, this is a direct point, And this is something that I've kind of been building to. Um, this absolutely has to be addressed at the game awards. You know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I understand the people that are like celebration and yeah, celebration and keep politics out and keep current events out and all that. I have feelings about that too, but we won't get into those. I will say, (laughs) I will say very specifically discussion of over 7,000 layoffs now from the biggest companies in the industry, Microsoft, Unity, Epic. I mean, that's just the start. EA, Ubisoft, friggin' Bungie, Sony, like everyone, everyone yeah. is laying employees off with very little real, hey, this is why. Everybody's turning record profits. Everybody's showing out incredible games. Well, except Microsoft, but everyone's got <laughs> incredible games coming out. So, I mean, I, I get it. Microsoft bleeding money with that game, Games Pass shit, but. I thought, probably, it was the, the, I thought it was the sphere. The Vegas sphere. The sphere, yeah. Um, so maybe Microsoft, but everybody else. Everybody else. You know what Microsoft needs? Microsoft needs a candle. Needs a candle? Yeah, of course. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Um, I'm going to go on strike. You reach, I'm unionizing. <laughs> I'm unionizing this podcast. And and the collective bargaining says no candles. <laughs> um, Amazing. But no, it really does. It it needs to be addressed at the Game Awards because it is such a such a big piece of this year. And I will be not surprised, but I will be incredibly disappointed if it is completely glossed over and not touched. I feel like I feel like Jeff has it in him. I don't think he's obligated to not, you know what I mean? But it's like such a great Oh, it's area. his choice. It's absolutely yeah. his choice. Uh, it's absolutely his choice and he should be saying something, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm not going to condemn him yet. The show hasn't aired. We have no idea, but I will say sure. he has been, he has been uncomfortably silent about all of it in the weeks leading up to this. It's a, it's a, it's a tough position to be in too. You know, is I it think so? it is. I think it is okay. because again, like you said, cause he's not obligated to anybody and he does, He's not obligated to anybody. He's his own person running his own thing. He should he should be able to stand up for those people and be like, "Hey, listen, listen." And I will I will cite precedent. When all the stuff with Konami and Kojima happened, he was very loud, very vocal about his support for his close personal famous friend Hideo Kojima, and True. very anti Konami. He 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 stood. On principle, and he said, hey, this is fucked up. Something should be done about this. This is unacceptable. So my take is if he's willing to go to bat for his friend, Hideo Kojima, he should also go to bat for the 7,000 workers that were laid off this year in the industry that we're supposed to be coming together to celebrate. Well said. I'll get off my soapbox. I mean, no, I, I, I commend you for having the courage to say it because not a lot of people feel comfortable, you know, having these strong uh, opinions on this stuff. You know me, I, I kind of, I try to stay in the middle. I try to understand both sides. There's always a business aspect of it, right? But again, you know, for transparency, for those that have been watching us, you know, we don't. This is not our careers. We have jobs and other responsibilities. 
but we do this out of pure passion, but we have to understand the facts and we have to, you know, convey the fact that everything's a business when it comes to works, things happen, layoffs happen in every industry, but we talk entertainment. We talk video games a lot. And a big part of that comes into people that struggle with having sustainability in this industry. And again, I've said it's been an issue for a long time, but it's a really big issue that it's happening this year. And we've said it numerous times in a peak of video game releases. Probably the best this, year ever. I in mean, history. That's it's yeah. a big it's a big deal. So in contrast to that, we have to look at the facts and look at, you know, why is this happening? You know, nobody's hemorrhaging because they're not, you know. That's where a lot of things, oh, we start price hiking. Oh, we got a layoff. We had a counterbalance. There's no counterbalance here. Like you said, there's success. You know, if they're losing money, maybe they're not divvying the profits. Again, it's not our place to disclose. But the fact is that people are, I hate to say it, dropping like flies. And it's it's an unfair aspect, you know, on the social media side to see it happen. You know, you have certain um, outlets that have had mass layoffs that are even at yeah. the level of journalism. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just the game development. Some of them have had better success bouncing off their feet than others, you know, but it's not going to work like that for everybody. So no, it's not. We're here to be transparent. We're here to share our unbiased opinions on stuff when it comes to this. And Tyler, thank you for, you know, again, speaking to that. And that's my take on it. It's kind of in the middle, but I, I really do feel that it should be addressed one way or another in a responsible manner. Yeah. That's a courtesy for the fans. Agreed. All right. So continuing on game awards, let's talk about their nominations for game of the year. And so correct me if I'm wrong. The way the game awards works is it's a panel of like 120 people from various reputable um, games, journalism sites, and they all come together and kind of do a voting system somewhat like the Oscars. And all of those that are voted in go to the main stage and then final voting for game of the year happens from there. Um, So let's talk about the game of the year nominees. Let's see. Yeah. So I figured if you needed a minute, I'll just start a little little background music. Um, Trying to see if there's a way. No, there's really no, no, that's fine. Um, So we've got in no particular order. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Mario Wonder, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. First thoughts with that list, go. I'm not surprised. I can understand why most of those are in there. I know you have some takes you're going to share with Baldur's Gate. It's not a game that I touch, I ever will touch, so I can't have an opinion on it. Um... I know that there are probably people that feel that some other games should be on that list. But again, you know, you think about like there's other categories, you know, like fighting game and, uh, you know, I don't know if they're doing like a remake of the year because there is a uh, several remakes. And, you know, do we consider those really new games? And that's I'm very divided on that. So um, I think that that list makes sense. I could see where you don't agree with some of those games. So. Yeah, what's your thoughts? All right, so I've pulled up I've pulled up uh our review. So, I did 
the Baldur's Gate 3 review in conjunction with uh, Matthew, who also writes for Gaming Age. Um, so let's talk about it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I'll have a link, or you can you can pull it up. It's gamingage.com, and just look for Baldur's Gate 3 review. But anyway, um, I added my PC thoughts to the review. I said specifically, I've been playing for almost three whole years. That's a lot of time. We were limited what we had available in early access. I had time to get acquainted with the systems and played several runs through the beginning of the game. Um, I talk about how this really is just Dungeons and Dragons in a video game, which is amazing if you're somebody that has never been able to play Dungeons and Dragons before, or you, you know you can't get a consistent group together because that's really fucking hard to do, and you want to experience it. This is as close as it gets, man. This is Dungeons and Dragons in game form. Yep, very much so. Uh, it's huge. You can play with groups, drop in, drop out. If you don't have a dedicated group, you can play by yourself, and you have NPC companions that come through that will interact with you. It's a fucking enormous game. Um, tons of side stories, romance, choices. You can succeed and you can fail. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, do 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 do. Can't find much fault with it. And I said specifically, a big part of this is because they had three years to work on it in early access. Three years of early access of people purchasing the game for full price, playing the what was available, and sticking with them through update after update after update after update, right? And I said, uh, at the time, I said Baldur's Gate 3 is not my favorite game this year. That distinction goes to Armor Core 6, which actually is not my favorite anymore either. But... <laughs> I do believe it is hands down easiest choice for game of the year ever, right? Said so 2023 is a stacked year in video game history, but Baldur's Gate 3 captured the cultural zeitgeist in a way that few games in history have. I give it a 10 out of 10, right? Matthew played through it as someone who doesn't play D&D and, you know, an, a newer player. He also gave it a perfect score, right? Um he says, hard to say, so many Game of the Year contenders, but I'm going to circle back, right? So I said, where'd I go? Where'd I go? There we go. Hands down, easiest choice for Game of the Year. I don't agree with that anymore. And here's why. Um, it's because of the early access. And the more I've thought on this as we push into awards season, the more I feel it is almost unfair to award Game of the Year to a game that has been out for three whole years. And yes, I understand it wasn't available on consoles. Yes, I understand that it was only early access and so much of the game was locked behind you know, what wasn't available yet. Um, so it really is a whole new experience now that it's out. But that's a long time to tweak your game and get it game of the oh, year functional ready. yeah functional yeah yeah that's the core the core aspect of it mm -hmm. yep no it makes yep. sense it's a very very valid and intriguing point of view yeah am i saying am i it. saying the game is not a 10 out of 10 still absolutely not it's an incredible game if the game wins game of the year i'm gonna be am i gonna be upset absolutely not they, i feel like they really deserve awards like it's incredible it's an incredible fucking game but the more I look at it, especially in a year that was so full of unique experiences, new games, uh, sequels to 
2010 games, sequels to games that are 15, almost 15 years old that come out and astound everybody. You know, there's so much this year that I feel like the three-year early access period is almost a little bit of a crutch, almost a little unfair. Um, so having Baldur's Gate 3 win the award that it will probably win, I mean, it is almost the favorite, like almost guaranteed to win Game of the Year. Um, and a big part of that is also the cultural relevance, like how many people are talking about it, how big it became um, in the minds of people that aren't necessarily gamers, aren't necessarily D&D &D fans. Um, I think I think it's got a lot of things going for it that kind of push it over the top when in reality, I don't necessarily think it is the game of the year. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. No, but it's a great again. I, I think it's a very insightful way of looking at it. And a lot of people are probably not looking at it that way. And yeah. this is more for just a conversation piece to oh, yeah. really just share a different aspect of it. And oh, I and again, I have to reiterate before we get fucking lambasted in the comments. I love the game. I love the game. It's amazing. I will not be upset if it wins. I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to win. I'm just saying maybe three years of early access should, you know, at least come into consideration. Um, and on that same conversation, let's dive right in and talk about should... Uh, remakes and remasters be eligible for game of the year because resident evil 4 is on there yeah again an incredible game i fucking love it if it won i wouldn't it's not gonna win but if it won i wouldn't be mad and you know how i feel i'm extremely biased and right. you were like that with Dead Space. This was right. a, this and is a big talk of the beginning of the year when we restarted the podcast. Mm -hmm. We started the podcast relaunch with Dead Space. Interestingly, mm -hmm. you know. So, yep. And you'll see when I do my game of the year list, I did not include Dead Space. So I think in the in the grand scheme of things, because of the sheer volume and quality this year, I would not consider a remake as part of a game of the year. Agreed. I would I would maybe categorize it in a genre specific. Sure. Survival horror. Right. Best know. survival horror game this year. Best action adventure game this year. Sandbox. You know? Yeah, whatever it be. Yeah, whatever it fits in, I think, for sure. But for the overall game of the year, I don't know, man. <laughs> so, look, I think we, I don't want to make the show too long because we had some really great insightful oh, that's stuff. True. Yep, yep, yep. But I was thinking maybe we just pick one game of the year for each of us. And then an honorable mention. And we can have another show where we could discuss some of the other great games that we have in that list. And maybe we can bring in one of our other co-hosts to the show. Yeah, we can do a, we can do a, a true game of the year conversation on another episode when we have a little yeah. more time. I would I think it would be worth doing that because I think we're gonna want to speak to the games, you know. You're right. So, You're right. Yeah. So yep. why don't we why don't we start with you? Let's pick if you want to do your your honorable mention, and then you can do what you feel is your number one for the year. All right. And then we'll do, like I said, we'll do a we'll do a full game of the year episode. Um, my honorable mention that did not make my top our top we did top fives by the way. Um, my honorable mention that did not make the top five is the Invincible, which is a very recent game. Yes. Um, let's see. You just me, you just yeah you just reviewed I it right. Just finished the review for it. Yep. Interesting. And I, I remembered you had said, oh, you know, if you saw it, you would know because I had it on my watch list or whatever. Yeah. And I remember the I remember the artwork. Once I saw the artwork, I'm like, ah, yeah. Okay. Now I remember. It's, it's pretty great, isn't it? Really cool cover. Yeah, really cover. Um, intriguing. Like it's kind of 
I want to know what that is, but I didn't do too much research on it. So I'm not yeah. gonna lie. You kind of no, gave me right. a little bit of insight of what it was about, but yeah. So it's Star Wars Industries made it, published by Eleven Bit Studios. So it's not a big AAA. You know, it's not indie either, really, but kind of is. There's a conversation we had about what fits indie now as well after this game of the year, but we're not gonna talk about that. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a walking simulator ish kind of game. Um, the I've seen it lovingly described as Firewatch in space. Um, so if you liked Firewatch, you will probably like the Invincible. I gave it a nine, and I think I am. I think I gave it the highest score, or maybe not the highest, but close to the highest of all the outlets that I've seen. Because um, I really loved this game. Like, awesome. really loved this game. It's pretty short. You can get through it in six to ten hours, depending on how much you want to do. Um, but you can replay it again. There, there are choices you can make, and there are different endings and different things that can happen based on what you choose during the game. So I won't, I won't spoil too much. But it is a, it's a retro futuristic kind of hard sci-fi style okay. thing. Yeah, it's really cool. The aesthetics amazing. The art style and the environmental design is just incredible. And I could just, I could spend hours. I did spend hours just wandering around Regis 3 and just enjoying how fucking beautiful it was and finding little bits of things everywhere. Um, so that is my my honorable mention and my pick for game of the year, which is hard. It's hard to lock it in. Yeah, it really was. I sat here fucking with this list for like 15 minutes, but I've got to give it to Final Fantasy 16. Got to, man. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's so incredible, so incredible. It's That's why I figured you would just do it disappointed with the, the game awards list. Yeah, yeah, it, it, sixteen should have been on there. It was very much snubbed. Um, yeah, do you feel enough people played it? Maybe not. I didn't get. I, I mean, though. I feel I feel like enough people played it, but again, maybe I'm biased. I don't know. It's a great game. I have to get back to it again. It, it's. A weird thing to say when there's so many good games. I mean, we always have a backlog, right? As gamers that yeah. we buy stuff, but stuff that we want to get to, and it's on our list. Like, and the biggest struggle for me, I think, this year is because of the compacted list of quality games, then you have co games coming out right before the awards. So stuff that I haven't finished either. So it's yeah. that that issue because one of my games is like up there. But I haven't played it enough to get through it to like cement that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a tough one for me. But do you want to talk a little more about your your choice or? No, I'll save it for when we do the we do the do the big episode. But let's cool. hear yours, man. Let's hear your uh, your honorable mention and your pick. We'll okay. see if I'm right or not. So my honorable mention is going to be Tears of the Kingdom. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so it, it's up there because obviously I'm a diehard Zelda fan. I did enjoy my time. I played a lot of it, uh, several hundred hours, I think. Um, but you know, it's a lot of the same as far as like what we've had. You know, there is refreshed things, that's multiple maps, things like that. The story is what really put it up there in my honorable mention because there was so much more to the to the details with Ganon and you know it just it was just awesome it was it was great storytelling the gameplay mechanics were it was okay like i didn't love it but i got 
into a groove and I just yeah. played it and got through completion. I finished all three maps, which I'm not, you know, I'm not a completionist in anything. Right. And I don't even, I don't even get a reward for that. But Except Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> first, first platinum ever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know they were handing them out like candy. So <laughs> I don't feel hey. like, I don't feel like I achieved anything. <laughs> you still did. You still went through and did it. But yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that we can get, uh, a return to form for Zelda. I really hope that they consider going back to that GameCube tech demo yep. that they did use and give us a game like that. Even if yep, it's yep, a yep. new style, totally inspired fine. by inspired by Dark Souls, like Dark Souls Light. Well, I don't know, need Dark Souls Light Zelda, but I'm I mean, just I, saying, get, I hear you, but control, I feel like that would end up being wise, too derivative. Yeah, yeah I mean, you like more I mean? so like control wise. I wanted to feel like controlling the character. I feel like that might be an interesting way of of exploring. Like Elden Ring felt like a Zelda game, you know, in an, in essence, to some degree, to me. Okay. You know, but anyway, yeah that that was just my thought on it. My game of the year is going to be Spider Man Two. Yep, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I a mean, solid choice a solid choice truly for me as a nerd as a marvel nut as a spider-man nut well spider-man's cut off in the video but <laughs> i love spider-man and i i'm a diehard venom fan more than anything so yeah having a game with venom in a mature gritty um rich storytelling very emotional um yeah emotionally attached throughout the story um all the voice actors just did an amazing job and i never felt any of the side missions were a chore because they mm -hmm. usually are and the fact they that they were in the first the one for sure yeah was a i didn't want to save anybody on the side and like there was dialogue and to me there was just so many unique things that you don't need to put in the game but because they did i'm like that's cool like the graffiti scenes when like you're doing the graffiti and you're helping and then you're kind of at that low level scenario. It's not needed, but it was a cool dynamic and just take a break because it wasn't too long. You know what I mean? Did it, did it need to be in there again? No, but it worked. I liked the little side missions where like, um, Spider-Man's helping the woman try to find the animal in her backyard and yes, it ends up being like a robot. Fun. Like mm -hmm. it's just a lot of cool, great, unique little ties to the bigger picture that it's, you know, he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. There's right. this grand world ending entity that's happening, but he's still doing his thing. Miles is still doing his thing. The worst part of the game is Miles's costume at the end of the game. Like mm. that's the only thing I could really flub on the game. Everything else I absolutely loved. The yeah. fact that Miles has a Wolverine costume, again, another fan favorite for me. So it, yeah. it had to be, and I also. Well, I am. It. I am waiting for Wolverine with bated breath, oh. because I am. I am. I will. I will ride. I mean, if, if nobody's told you already, right, right, right. <laughs> dude. I'll tell you what the not necessarily super popular X Men Origins Wolverine video games so on the 360, good. bro. I will so ride for good. that movie until I fucking die. Or for that game, not that movie. Yeah, yeah not that the game. movie. Yeah. yeah, not the movie. The movie's trash. But the game, dude, I will ride for that game until I fucking die. That so game was good. So, so good. So yeah. good, man. Oh. I think it's in good hands. I'm excited. But that's mine. And again, I have 
I have my other top four, which we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah we'll um, do a, we'll do a dedicated game of the year. I have some ideas. I'll talk offline with you here when this is over. Cool. But we'll keep that All one right. right there. We'll nip it in the bud. Sound good? Yep. Sounds good. Hi, bud. everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your time as always. Really quick. Thank you. 500 subscribers. Yeah. 500 in less than a year. We can't thank you enough. We figured yep. let's get this out there beforehand. You guys are awesome. It means so much, you know, for two guys that are doing very little to promote other than just being on social media. We've grown the team to, you know, bigger numbers and we have a great team that's helping us with content. We can't thank you enough. We're going to do figure out a giveaway soon as we mentioned in the past. But if you if you're just joining it for the first time, please make sure to like and subscribe. We won't let you down. We have some great content coming this way. But until next time, everybody, take care and have fun. See ya. <laughs>